Hello and welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod with Nick and Cody coming at you with a little re- week six review. Cody, um, a pretty disappointing week overall for fantasy owners. Lots of unders hitting this week. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I think it was just kind of a uh, lackluster week all around for most people. Yeah, it absolutely was, and there were a lot of players that uh, you would think would be on players or on people's benches that had good weeks, like uh, Chase Claypool, and um, oh, who's another one that was out there this week? Oh, Brandon Ayuk. Also, both of those guys went off on me in two to two separate leagues, so that was just very nice. I very much enjoyed that. You know, all the other studs that I have on my team all decided to put up duds, but. That's all right. It is. Uh, it was an odd week. On to week seven. Uh, pretty crazy. We're already into week seven, but uh, yeah, we're getting getting ready to get into this week six review. I know. Obviously, we're coming after you after Monday Night Football. Uh, what's your What's your thoughts on the Broncos and Chargers game? Just a quick, quick little thought check for you. Um, lots of ref ball going on there. To be honest with you, um, we'll get into it later later on. But um, for sure. Mostly the refs ended up winning that game for the Chargers, basically. Uh, it, we will we will talk about that later, but uh, both those teams looked pretty horrible tonight, I'll be honest. Um, neither one of the offenses was very inspiring in this one. On uh, you know, Monday night, another dud from a Denver primetime game, but uh, we'll start with a different primetime game, uh, the Thursday night game between Washington and Chicago. Washington ends up winning at 12-7. to 7. Um, on the Washington side, Carson Wentz broke his finger, actually, in this one. Uh, he will be out four to six weeks, so it will be Taylor Heineke moving forward, uh, at least for the next uh, you know month or so here. I think from the Washington side, my only takeaways uh, in a major sense from the fantasy perspective are that Brian Robinson will be a back-end RB2 slash flex play moving forward. He got 17 carries in this one, 60 yards, and the score later on. Uh, at, at the very least, it seems like Brian Robinson will be getting most of the work in this backfield, and this is a Washington team that seems like they want to establish the run, so he will get a decent amount of work. Not extremely exciting for me, though, so that's why I label him as a back-end RB2 slash flex play. Cody, do you uh, agree or disagree with that? I do agree with Brian Robinson, and I also agree with your note on the wide receivers on this team. Um, with Taylor Heineke coming in, I think – Curtis Samuel definitely takes a pretty step, uh, pretty big step down. I think uh, McLaurin would probably be the only guy to even have a little bit of confidence starting, and I don't have too much starting, uh, too much confidence starting him. Just hopefully, him and Heineke's connection from last year kind of carries forward. Um, but one more thought on Heineke in two QBs uh, or super flex league, super flex leagues. Do you think he's worth an ad? Uh, do you think he'll be worth starting for fantasy purposes? Yeah, I mean, in two QB and superplex leagues, this any quarterback that is starting is worth a look. So I think Heineke does fall into that category. He does run a little bit. So I think he's probably worth a look if you're desperate. But if you're in a 10-team league, he's probably still going to be on waiver wires. 12-team leagues are much different in superflex just because, uh, you know, the pool of starting quarterbacks is a little bit smaller. You're probably adding him in a 12-team situation. But in 10-team leagues, uh, Unless you need him this week, I think you can just leave him on the wire. Yep, fair enough. On the Chicago side, um, I'm pretty much just, you know, confident in starting David Montgomery at this point. Um, 
he's pretty much the only one on the Bears offense that you can find any sort of consistency in. And then I'm still holding Darnell Mooney. He had 12 targets in this one, uh, seven catches for 68 yards. I'm still, you know, just waiting for a bit of consistency on the passing side for, for Darnell Mooney, hoping that volume holds for a couple more weeks so I can be a little more confident in him. But Chicago side's pretty simple for me. It's just David Montgomery, and then uh, that's about it. Yeah, my thoughts haven't changed one bit with Chicago. I'm holding Mooney in deeper leagues. Um, and then uh, Monty's the only guy that I want to start. Herbert looks good with the ball, but he just doesn't get enough work to be uh, worthwhile. So nothing's really changed with Chicago. Um, but hopefully the passing volume continues. It's at least good to kind of see it going that way. Yeah, I agree. Justin Fields is becoming a little bit more interesting, at least in super flex leagues. And I would probably be holding on to Khalil Herbert myself, just in case he turns into somebody that can be a flex option for you. And obviously, as a high-end handcuff. Right, yeah, he's a high-end handcuff at this point either way. So uh, would not be dropping Herbert if I could avoid it. New England at Cleveland's our next game. New England uh, ends up blowing out Cleveland 38-15. to I uh, got a little bit lucky on my best bet segment with this one, honestly. I feel like I uh, did not deserve the over here. But on the New England side, Bailey Zappi played a really, really good game. Um, I don't know if there's any sort of uh, quarterback controversy here in New England, but I I might consider sticking with Zappi at this point. He was 24-34 in this one, 309 yards, two touchdowns. He looked very good. Jacoby Myers, the only guy I'm trusting in this passing game moving forward. Only four targets in this one, but again, Zappi is not going to be the quarterback for very, very long, and Myers has just been the most consistent guy there in the passing game. And then uh, on the rushing side for New England, it was all Ramondre Stevenson. He had 19 carries for 76 yards, a couple scores, had five targets in the passing game, caught four of them for 15 yards. Uh, seems like he is going to be the entire backfield until Harris gets back. Yeah, you seem pretty confident. You think when Mac Jones is back that he's going to get his job back? He will, yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Draft we'll see. If, he's, if he comes back this week, I think he'll get it back. But if Zappi gets to play one more and looks good again, it may uh, – it may start swinging that other way. And if that is the case, Zabby may also kind of be in that same kind of Heineke role in a 2QB slash Superflex League. So just something to keep an eye on because you just never know with New England. They will always pull something uh, out of the hat if they can. Yeah, and on the Cleveland side of things, uh, I feel this is a tough day at the office for them, especially for their running game. Just could not get it going on that side of the ball. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was 21 of 45 in this game, so a ton of incomplete passes, a lot of drives that ended pretty quickly on the Brown side. Only 16 rushes for uh, these two star running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, 12 for Chubb and 4 for Hunt. So really just not enough opportunity for these guys to really get going. And then uh, on the receiving side for, for Cleveland, Amari Cooper went 4 for 12 in this one, 4 catches on 12 targets. 44 yards, bailed you out with a touchdown. I'm not really worried about him long-term. Still seems like he is kind of the clear-cut one here, but this is just kind of the Jacoby Brissett effect in my mind. I mean, you're going to just have games where this offense is not going to do much, especially against better defenses because Jacoby Brissett has his limitations. So uh, tough game for these Browns guys, but I don't know if my opinion really changed on any of them, to be honest. Yeah, nothing nothing changed here for me. Uh, Cooper has been steadily going up for me throughout the season. I think he's 
He's a pretty good locked and loaded wide receiver, too. Um, obviously, like you said, a lot of incomplete passes. If Jacoby Brissett hits him a couple more times, he he probably has a pretty solid week. And then um, Njoku remains a steady starter for at the tight end position. Didn't get a touchdown this week, but still, still involved in the passing game pretty much um, as the second passing option. So I, I still like him if you picked him up at tight end. Njoku, I think, remains a steady starter at the uh, the tight end position here. He had a he had a solid game, but that was pretty much it from the Cleveland passing game. Um, and honestly, the Cleveland offense as a whole just didn't have a great day. So hopefully, better days are ahead for them. Jacksonville at Indianapolis. Indianapolis ends up winning at thirty four to twenty seven in what turned out to be a pretty interesting game. Uh, on the Jacksonville side, I think the biggest story for me is that Travis Etienne has looked pretty good the past few weeks two weeks in a row he's had over 100 total yards still uh in a timeshare as far as work as far as workload goes with james robinson but it's been pretty even uh really since week two so i think there's a chance that ecn kind of just takes this job over if he continues to uh you know show the production that he has so far this year are you in the camp of trading for travis etn right now or are you just kind of holding on his stock how do you feel about him um, if you can trade for him, I would definitely look into doing that. Uh, ETN's kind of a tough guy to trade for because if the uh, guy who drafted him, because he because he went early enough in drafts in the fourth round, if you held him through those you know down weeks, and now he's starting to show something, you're you're going to be excited to put him in your own lineup. So those that always kind of makes it tough to trade for those guys because those guys typically they want more, they think the value's more. Um, so if you can get them, I think it's worth taking a look at. Um, overall, I think ETN and Robinson are still kind of at the same level for me overall. I think ETN has been performing better over the past couple weeks, but I could also see Robinson coming out next week. And if he continues to get 12 rushes, if he breaks one, it's going to be worth starting him. So if one of them ends up taking over the job, that's going to be the guy you want to have. I think it's worth having one, either one. Because if one goes down with injury, yeah, if one goes down with injury or if one of them emerges, they're going to be pretty good. Um, right now, they're both just kind of low-end flex options. You're hoping they get in the end zone or get really involved in the passing game, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I really wish that they would use either one of these guys a little more in the passing game. I feel like both of them, uh, at least I know James Robinson, obviously at the NFL level has shown this, but ETN coming out of college profile as a pass catcher as well. I feel like both of them could be could stand to be used more in the passing game. I think that would might help this offense a little bit too. So uh, hopefully Jacksonville, you know, for their fantasy value and for the Jacksonville offense as a whole, honestly, I hope they, they start trying to use their backs a little bit more uh, out of the backfield uh, through the air. So we'll see if that ends up happening. But uh, speaking of the other options of the air for Jacksonville, Christian Kirk, kind of another rough week for him. Uh, four catches on five targets for 24 yards in this one, kind of bails you out with the touchdown there. Um, I, I think, honestly, with Christian Kirk, I, we, we might just kind of have to revalue this asset a little bit. I think we were hoping that he could break out into a top 15 type of wide receiver. Um, I think this, these our expectations just need to be managed a little bit more here. As long as we are considering him as more of a 20 to 30 type of guy rather than a top 15 type of guy, we, we can still find value in Christian Kirk. We just kind of have to realize that 
all wide receivers were inconsistent. We may have been too quick to crown him as a, uh, a top 15 guy. Yeah, he may be a little bit closer to uh, Adam Thielen as opposed to sure. know, Justin Jefferson. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on Christian Kirk. I think his stock's just kind of steadily been going down over the past couple weeks. But, um, again, I think Adam Thielen, kind of that flex level, wide receiver three level kind of you know line is – it's not a bad line to be on. You're still relevant. So, um, and where he was going in drafts, or if you got him through um, a trade, you, you're not going to be upset with them overall rest of season, I don't think. Um, but yeah, I think maybe we just got a little too high overall on Jacksonville. Um, at least I did a little bit. So, just got to re kind of just readjust and move on with the assets there. And they're still a young team, kind of learning to win and. They're going to have games where they just don't really perform. So just got to readjust a little bit. Yeah, only 22 passes today for Trevor Lawrence. Completed 20 of them for uh, 173 yards. So not a lot of looks for, for Christian Kirk. I think he'll be fine in the long run. He just going to be a little inconsistent like most wide receivers are. Uh, really only the elite of the elite guys are the, the consistent ones. So Yeah, 20 not, for 173. On Kirk, you just got to know what to expect. Yeah, 20 for 173 sounds like some dump down passes. Uh may have happened a lot today <laughs> seems that way and then on the indie side uh they really just turned to the pass in this one without uh jt or naeem hines matt ryan 42 of 58 in this one a pretty incredible passing number there for 389 and three uh he volumed his way to a good fantasy day uh he looked pretty good uh, that's a lot of passes, obviously, so I'm not going to give him too much credit for that stat line just because he you know, had so many attempts to get there, but he still looked pretty good. Didn't turn the ball over once in this one, throwing it 58 times. you got to give him some credit for that. And then uh, Michael Pittman was the main beneficiary of this uh, high-volume day, along with his uh, running back, Deion Jackson, who we'll get to in a second. But Michael Pittman, 13 catches on 16 targets for 134 yards. Good bounce back for him. As we uh, mentioned in our preview episode of this week, I, we, we kind of expected Michael Pittman to reemerge as the number one here. Had a couple down weeks, but one was because of injury, one was because of a tough matchup, so we weren't that worried. And then, like we, like I just said, Deion Jackson caught, caught 10 targets here. Um, caught all 10 of his 10 uh, targets uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars and ended up getting hurt towards the end of the, the game here, but... Looks like JT is going to be back next week anyway. So Dan Jackson, kind of just a one-week guy. If you started him, good for you. But if not, doesn't look like he's going to be much of a factor moving forward. Cody, um, what do you think about this Indianapolis uh, offense? Yeah, I think you nailed all the big points. Nothing really changes for me. Um, and yeah, Pittman two weeks ago had that Sertan uh, matchup that was terrible. They he just shut down Mike Williams for two receptions for seventeen yards as well. So. Uh, if your number one guy is going against Sertan, he that's a huge downgrade. So it's good to see Pittman kind of get those targets and uh, yards back this week. Um, I think really the only thing that changed for me is I would kind of classify Pierce as a startable option next week. I think um, kind of more wide receiver three to flex level with JT coming back. I do expect him to run the ball a little bit more. But uh, Pierce is a startable asset, especially with a lot of players going to be a lot of players going to be on by next. <laughs> a lot of good players are going to be on by next week. There we go. We got it. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. If JT's back, you're 100% starting him. And uh, at the same time, Alec Pierce, I think, like you said, is a startable asset as well. 
he scored a late touchdown in this one, kind of saved his bacon. But he's been pretty involved uh, the past few weeks for the Colts. I think it's safe to say he will be uh, moving forward to at least some degree. I like what I've seen from him. I, I mentioned that going into last week. I sort of just appreciate the tape that I've seen from Alec Pierce at the NFL level so far. Um, anything else on Colts and uh, Jacksonville here, Cody? Nope, I think we nailed it. Minnesota at Miami is our next game. Minnesota pulls this one off 24-16. Kind of an ugly game on both sides, something that I'll probably be saying a lot moving forward. Uh, a lot of games that just sort of did not meet expectation uh, in general as far as the offenses go. But on the Minnesota side, I think a very lackluster game for their offense. They looked really sluggish for about three and a half quarters of this one. Dalvin Cook especially. He ends up saving you with a long touchdown run with about four minutes left in this one, a 53-yard score. He ended up with 13 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown. If that tells you anything, he had a 53-yard rushing touchdown with four minutes left. So just think (laughs) about the production that he had before that. uh, Not great whatsoever. Uh, Both the main wide receivers in this one actually kind of came through for you as well. Justin Jefferson had six catches for 107 yards and eight targets. Thielen caught a touchdown, uh, four catches for 36 yards, so he kind of you know, saved your day as well. But uh, in Minnesota, again, I think I think this is just more a factor of the offense not having a great day. Kirk Cousins kind of is what he is. He's a little limited. I'm not really sure if I change my opinion on anyone in this Minnesota offense whatsoever. Nope, not a single thing changed for me. I think Dalvin and uh, Justin Jefferson are must-starts. Obviously, Dalvin um, – had a rough game going, but ended up saving it. So I, I'm not going to take him out of my lineup. I selling high on him right now, to be honest. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind it if you can go get yourself another running back one. Um, I think that might be a good a good move. And, but, and then, yeah, Thielen is just matchup dependent. So I, I, I said I thought this was a good matchup for him. He, he had a pretty solid day. He's in that wide receiver three flex level category. So, uh, again, not much really changed here. Yeah, I, I think Cook's kind of the only one I'm looking at a little bit differently. If he had not had that long touchdown at the end, he would have had a a two-point game, which is something that Dalvin Cook was just kind of never capable of before because of his involvement. But in this one, they, they really just got away from him. Yeah, uh, you say it like that. <laughs> say it like that, yeah. I, I would understand trying to go ahead and sell on him. Because if you just look at 13 for 77 in a touchdown, you're not you're not too upset with that average per rush. But if you take out right. that long one, that is a uh, very bad game. Yeah, and uh, there was there was about 56 minutes there where it looked like that was going to be the case. So hopefully moving forward, uh, they will be better off. Miami does have a pretty good defense, but again, um, a matchup that shouldn't have been that scary. And it wasn't like the Vikings were being blown out to any degree. Obviously, they ended up winning this one. Um, on the Miami side, uh, a tough game for Raheem Mostert, 14 carries, 49 yards, but he was still the, the main rusher. So I think he'll be fine moving forward. Again, he's... Not someone you're necessarily relying on to carry you in fantasy. More of an auxiliary option, RB two slash flex type. Uh, I think Jay, I think uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle should just never be benched ever again, or we should never even consider it. We kind of talked about it going into last week with Skylar Thompson as the QB. Teddy Bridgewater ended up playing most of this one. Couldn't have predicted that, but at the same time. You know, both of these guys are just too good to sit in in my mind. So um, I. Don't have too much more on the Miami situation here. Looks like Tua should be back next week, so I think you're starting Hill and Waddle. 
Uh, Mike Kosicki had a good game in this one. I'm not chasing it, especially, uh, again, with Tua coming back. Not really sure of his tendencies uh, as far as the tight end goes. I think Mostert, Hill, and Waddle are the guys you're looking at in this offense, and then uh, that's about it. You playing Tua next week if, you, uh, if you're if you streaming sure. quarterbacks? Yeah, I think yeah, so sure. as well. Pittsburgh's cool. not very good. They're at home. Uh, yeah, I'm, I have no problem playing Tua as long as he's cleared you know, somewhat early in the week so we can get a couple practices in. Yep, I agree. I think you. I think we nailed everything else in this game. Uh, Tampa Bay at Pittsburgh is our next one, twenty to eighteen. Pittsburgh takes this one. A pretty ugly game. Again, uh, I'm going to mention every single time that I say that because I was just so astounded by how much ugly football we really had on this Sunday. It was uh, it was pretty pretty awful across the board for the most part. But uh, on the Tampa side. Offense was just really hard to watch in this one, uh, especially against the defense. We expected them to uh, move the ball against pretty well. Tom Brady was 25 of 40 for 243 and a touchdown. Uh, just Steve did not look good. I think he missed some throws. He, uh, you know, really could have played better in this one, had some opportunities to hit, uh, hit some open guys and just missed a few times. Uh, Chris Godwin, I think, looks healthy, though. Uh, silver lining out of this Bucks offense. He was, you know, had 12 targets, only caught six of them, a little bit lower than you'd expect out of Chris Godwin, but had 95 yards. He played 89% of snaps. I think that was a good sign for somebody that's kind of been in and out of the uh, the lineup as far as snap share goes. And, you know, somebody that's been recovering from a knee injury, he had by far the most targets on the team. I think Chris Godwin has got a lineup lock moving forward, especially in half and non-PPR or excuse me, half and full VBR um, for Chris Godwin. But uh, Mike Evans had kind of a tough day, four targets, four catches, 42 yards. That's kind of who he is, though. He's sort of up and down. And then Leonard Fournette is really good for fantasy. He was horrible efficiency-wise in this one, but still ended up with uh, 63 yards on the ground and then six catches for 38 yards and another score. So he's an RB1 moving forward for me. I think it's uh, Fournette and Godwin you're comfortable with, or excuse me, Fournette, Evans, and Godwin you're comfortable with. Brady uh, is still a starting quarterback, but you know I'm a little nervous about him moving forward just because he himself has not looked very good. Yeah, I think most of the discussion uh, around Tampa Bay kind of revolves around Tom Brady right now. Um, I love Godwin, like you said, specifically in any kind of PPR format. Um, I still love Evans. I think they were. I highlighted both those guys last fine. week in our trade four. I would still do so with both those guys, and I would move Fournette into that category as well if you can get some of these offensive weapons. Um, now I say all that uh, Brady. I kind of think he's a streamable quarterback. You kind of want him against a good matchup, I would say, because this should have been a good matchup, and he was kind of lackluster. Are you dropping Brady uh, for a stream, or do you, are you just kind of going to stash him if you have to, you know, get a different quarterback no. who's playing a good defense? His pass volume has been there. Um, I mean, you know, there's obviously a chance he's lost it. He's 45 years old. There's not a lot of quarterbacks that have done it to this point in their career, so we don't have much precedent to go off of with uh, with Tom Brady, to yeah. be honest. But he's just throwing the ball so much right now, and he has elite options on the outside still. So I'm going to bet on him figuring it out at some point or at least voluming his way to a few good games moving forward. Uh, I, I would not be dropping Tom Brady unless you know you have another really good quarterback or you're like in like an eight-team league or something. I think uh, 10 teams are above. you got to hold on to him. 
Yep, I tend to agree with that for sure. And then on the Pittsburgh side, uh, big day for Chase Claypool. Seven catches on seven targets for 96 yards and a score. Um, I I honestly don't really think this does much for me from a fantasy perspective, uh, at least on his own. Uh, I don't know if you disagree, but I think this just kind of muddies the water for Deontay and George Pickens. Deontay, five catches uh, on seven targets for 28 yards in this one. Pickens, three catches on six targets for 27 yards. Both of them pretty much dudded. Uh, and I'm just I'm not really buying that Claypool has standalone value quite yet. And again, I think this is just bad news for Deontay and George Pickens that this this is a possibility that George, that Clay, Chase Claypool can be the number one on this team. Yeah, I, I agree. Claypool's big day just makes me less excited to play any of the Pittsburgh options. Um, but Kenny Pickett did leave this game with a concussion. So if yep. Trubisky is the starter going into next week. Uh, I think Deontay it would be the only pass option I'd want to play, and it would just be kind of a, um, a you know a low end flex. Um, and at that point, you could try Claypool or Pickens, but um, you know I think Deontay would be the one I'd have the most confidence in. Would you agree with that, or would you go with either either Claypool or Pickens? No, I think Deontay's target volume so far this year, you know, you have to choose. When you play with Trubisky, especially with Trubisky, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, cool. And I would assume that Pickett misses at least a week with the way that the uh, the new concussion rules have been so far. I think I think you pretty much have to assume anybody that leaves a game with a concussion is going to miss a week because 100%. it doesn't seem like there is a situation where you can return quick enough from the concussion to to clear the new protocols in a, in less than a week. So uh, Najee Harris pretty much did what he's done all year. 14 carries, three targets, only 42 yards on the ground, seven yards through the air, scores the touchdown to bail you out, but uh, he continued to struggle. We, uh, again, that's just kind of who Najee Harris is right now until he faces some easier matchups. He's probably going to have a tough time, uh, you know, being very efficient with his touches. Yeah, if you uh, if you're in a matchup where you need uh, some boom weeks for some players, I would just recommend benching Najee until they get a plus matchup. Because uh, unless he gets in the end zone, he is he's looking like almost a week to week dud. So he's just very inefficient. He's not getting a lot of passing volume, and if he doesn't get in the end zone, it's it's just not good. So. If you can pivot, I, I would recommend pivoting. But I know it's hard to do. You, you spent a lot of draft capital on them. Um, so it, it's tough to do, but you're far enough in the season. you got to just take a look at what's been actually happening. And Najee's a guy that you can you can take a look at benching, especially if you have good running back or flex options. Yeah, 100%. Uh, until he's in those better matchups, that's probably the way to go. San Francisco at Atlanta is our next game. Atlanta takes this one 28 to 14. Um, I've honestly never had an under bet that I think I deserved less than this one. Uh, <laughs> it was 28 to 14, I think midway through the third quarter, and no one ended up scoring through the rest of the game. So I, I got very lucky with that one. But yeah, that's on nice. the San Francisco side. Forgot uh, to mention you were 3-0 and on that. Congratulations. Yeah, I had a terrible week yeah. betting, but you, you dominated. <laughs> you took a very big lead now. So I got to yes. start locking it in. <laughs> I, I was 3-0, and that's, that's all we should say on that matter. Uh, yeah, good stuff. If we dig into it, uh, two of my three, I, I again, I got very, very lucky on. But um, we'll take it. Uh, we're on a little bit of a heater with the best bets this uh, 
you know, this, this round here, 12 and three in our last four weeks. So we are feeling good. Uh, San Francisco at Atlanta, 28 to 14, Atlanta takes this one, San Francisco, uh, really just kind of a complete opposite game script than we expected, uh, for them. So a lot of, a lot of things happen differently than we would have thought going into this with, uh, San Francisco favored pretty heavily coming into the game. Uh, Jeff Wilson had a complete dud, seven carries, 25 yards, uh, one target, no catches, lost a fumble as well. So he ended up with 0.5 fantasy points in all formats because he didn't catch any passes. I think he's still an RB2 moving forward, but uh, you just kind of have to know that he is not game script proof. Kyle Juszczyk was the guy they were rolling with uh, through most of the second half there while they were you know, in complete pass mode. Um, they won't throw 41 times that often. This is a San Francisco offense that wants to establish it. And Jeff Wilson was still kind of the main runner in this offense. They, again, just did not run the ball very much at all. Uh, had a ton of targets to the outside, which benefited George Kittle. Eight catches ten uh, on 10 targets for 83 yards. Did not cash in on my touchdown guarantee, but did have a pretty good game. So came through for me in that respect. And then Brandon Ayuk was the main beneficiary. Eight catches, 11 targets, 83 yards, and two scores. Uh, but again, my opinion did not really change that much on this offense. Like I said, they won't be throwing the ball 41 times very much this year. So I think they'll get back to uh, what they've been before this. Yeah, I. whenever I look at this game, I kind of just throw it away for San Francisco because I know philosophy, their philosophy as a team is they want to run the football. And they just kind of couldn't from this game. They got down from the beginning, um, going down by two scores almost immediately. So it was just a – they basically had to completely go away from what they would normally like to do. So Ayuk did benefit. Um, I got Ayuk played against me in two different leagues, so that was very unfortunate. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, he had a good game, 8 for 11, 83, and two touchdowns. Uh, Debo actually did not have a very good game, unfortunately. Um, I think seven for like 74, so not terrible, but still trying to get him involved in the run game, but it hasn't been working too well. Um, but again, for San Francisco, basically I'm just going to throw this game away. Um, and going into next week, Jeff Wilson, Debo, and Kittle are the guys that I'm going to want from this offense. Yeah, I'm not really worried about Devo personally. I just think he is too good as an individual player. Like you said, had a, had a slightly disappointing effort in this one. But, um, again, wide receivers in general are just very inconsistent. You kind of have to come to expect that. Brandon Ayuk caught both the touchdowns this week. If one of them would have went to Devo, we'd be very, you know, we'd be thinking about this very differently. So, right. uh, I, I don't think you have to worry about, about him as an option. And then uh, I'd I think George Kittle is a solid option as well, uh, just because of his involvement in this, you know, in this game. And just he's just sort of been escalating uh, in these weeks because he's been getting healthier. So Kittle should continue to be more involved in this offense. Uh, on the Atlanta side, man, they are really turning into the Chicago Bears uh, in the South here. So, <laughs> and, and the biggest problem is that it's working, Cody. They're winning games right now. They're three and three on the year. They weren't expected to be very good to begin with. Marcus Mariota uh, goes 13 of 14 in this one for 129 yards and two scores, six rushes for 50 yards and another touchdown. Um, I mean, I think he himself played pretty good. He's just really not throwing enough for either Kyle Pitts or Drake London to have any sort of consistency week to week. I'd really love to see a game where Mariota has to throw, say, 30 times. 
I think, uh, you know, one of these two guys or even both of these two guys would end up having really good games if that was the case. But uh, at this point, Drake London, four targets on 14 throws is uh, above a 25% target share. That's, I mean, that's really good in most offenses, but in this one, the the volume's just not really 14 there. throws. Think, yeah. <laughs> that, that's I, that's I really, what's to highlight there. <laughs> it's it's tough. I mean, I, I think next week against Cincinnati, Cincinnati favored by six points on the road. Again, that's a point that that's a that's a game where I would think Mariota's gonna have to throw the ball a little bit more, but I said the same thing coming into the San Francisco game, so I, I don't know how long I can keep expecting this pass volume to increase. Yeah, San Francisco is also one of the most beat-up teams injury-wise in the NFL. Right. Uh, both their yeah, offense and defensive lines are just tore up. So this was kind of a trap game. I got caught. I bet San Francisco at minus four. It might it moved to minus three and a half, and I took it again. I was so confident on with them. So I, I kind of just fell into the trap there. Um, but, yeah, Atlanta, to make it very easy here, Mariota is a streamable option, again, against um, – the Bengals, he's going to have to probably run and throw more than he did in this game. Um, Pitts is startable. He's a tight end. Uh, London, for me, is a flex option. If the passing volume goes up, he becomes a touchdown threat and should see some more opportunity. I would love that. And then both the running backs are kind of low-end flex options for me. Kind of just, um, I don't know, how would I classify? I guess just last, last option flex options at this point. Yeah, I don't really like either one of them. It's a lot of empty yards and zero passing game involvement for these running backs whatsoever. So I think really only none PPR is where we're even considering them right now. Right. Um, I think more touchdowns will come their way. But again, they're splitting carries right down the middle, and there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason to when they get their carries. So you're just guessing on which one of these guys might have a chance at a touchdown. That's not a really good situation. Um, next game here. Jets at the Packers. Uh, everyone obviously expected a 27-10 to 10 Jets win in Lambeau uh, on the Jets side. This is just another team succeeding with a good run game and a good defense. It's really hampering things for fantasy in a lot of ways. Uh, but I think on the Jets side, this is another team that ends up being pretty easy for us. Brees Hall, 20 carries, 116 yards, a touchdown, two catches on two targets for five yards. He is the man, and that is pretty much it. You can't play Garrett Wilson, one catch on five targets for eight yards. You can't play Elijah Moore, zero catches on zero targets. And you can't play Corey Davis, two catches on four targets for 52 yards either with any sort of confidence. Uh, only 18 pass attempts for Zach Wilson on this one. And again, this is another game that I kind of expected the Jets to have to throw a little bit more. They didn't. Um, I, I don't really see anything that I can do with this Jets offense other than play Brees Hall and not much else. Yeah, I feel the same exact way as I did when we talked on Saturday. Brees Hall is the guy that I want to play. The wide receivers are holds to see if one can break out, but Wilson is the only one that I would be set on holding. Both Moore and Davis can hit the waiver wire. I wouldn't be that upset. Um, but whew, this team just wants to run the football and play some really good defense, and they are doing that right now. Um, yeah, the Giants look really good. I watched a lot of this game. Um, I was flipping between this one and then the uh, 
Giants and Ravens, but the Jets actually looked really good. So um, they they may actually be somewhat of a threat in the AFC as a uh, maybe seven seed. They might might find a way to sneak in there this year. Maybe not with Jeff yeah. uh, Zach Wilson, but they have a really good team if the quarterback can uh, can play up to that standard. I think they're going to have to throw the ball more at some point. Yeah, and hopefully sure. uh, at that point we will we will kind of just see where these targets go. Like I said, coming into this week, I was kind of hoping to get a better idea of how Zach Wilson will split them up. But again, this is just such a small sample size. It's really hard to take anything from it. 18 throws. Yeah. I think he was 10 of 18 for 118 yards in this one. He just really did not have to do much because the the Packers offense offense did not do very much. They look completely broken in this one, Cody. Uh, The Jets were just, all over them very like they just looked so much more athletic this whole offense looks slow aaron jones has been a huge disappointment nine carries 19 yards two catches on four targets for 25 yards uh and then aj Dillon, 10 carries for 41 yards four catches on six targets for 11 yards i uh i apologize for a recommendation of playing aj Dillon. he got the work 16 opportunities just did not pan out. This whole offense really, uh, really just shit the bed in this one. Um, I, I don't really know what to make of Green Bay right now. I really hope it gets better, but I mean they're just they're just not playing very well. Aaron Rodgers not playing very well, and this line is not playing very well. Uh, I I don't really know what you do with Green Bay at this point. I I, I find it hard to. You're not going to drop Aaron Jones. You're not going to drop AJ Dillon, but. Uh, you can't play them very confidently right now, even at Washington next week. I would not feel that great about anybody on this team other than uh, Alan Lazard, I think, has really been the only consistent contributor here. Yeah, I think um, just because of the position, Robert Tanyan also deserves a shout-out. He is a good streaming option, uh, going 10 for 12 for 90 yards. So in a full PPR league, he, I'd imagine yeah. he finishes as a pretty solid uh, top three or top five tight end at worst. So he had a pretty solid week. Um, he did. I I don't trust the targets though. I, I would, I would not be yeah. surprised if he goes back down to four targets next week. I, I think this was a lot to do with them just being down a lot and Tunyon getting those kind of short area targets that the Jets may have been kind of willing to give them because they were up multiple scores. I, I don't really know if I trust Tunyon to be a 12-target guy. Week to week. Yeah, I definitely don't. Um, my my thought process here is if I get 50% of that, if I get five receptions for 45 yards and a full PPR league from the tight end position, I'm not going to be too upset. And if he happens to find the end zone, that's a good week from a tight end. So um, I still think he's on the streaming candidate, especially with some uh, – Tight ends on by this week, like Tyler Higby and uh, you know Dawson Knox is another streaming option. But I do agree with you with Lazard. Same thing we talked about on Saturday. I was on the Lazard side um, between Lazard or Dubs. Nothing really changes there for me. And then the running backs, I'm right there with you. You can't really bench. I mean, I guess maybe you can, but it's going to be hard with buys and um, other injuries at you know yeah. flex and running back positions. So. It's going to be tough to put take him out of your starting lineup, but it is hard to play him confidently. So um, I think it's one of those things if you can kind of trade them on name value, especially Aaron Jones, I think you know you could probably get some value. I'd look into that, but um, if you're going to get low-balled, I, I would just hold on to him at that point and hope that this offense turns around. But 
this green be this green bay team looks like they may be fighting to get into the playoffs as opposed to competing to win the division at this point yeah, I totally agree, and I think um, I think with both of these guys, honestly, you might want to just wait for a good game before you sell them because they're still getting the work, and they're not. Yeah, you don't want to sell them. low, I, I right? Agree. They're they're both healthy, so we know that there are there's going to be a game that they're going to score a touchdown, one or the other. You know, the, the, you're going to have a chance to sell high on either one of these guys moving forward. So I think you just kind of have to hold them right now wait for this offense to kind of turn things around. And then uh, if you are really still sold on, you know, selling on this team just in general, then you can do it th- at that point for a much better price. But that would be my impression on this, uh, on this offense. Yeah. Um, Cincinnati at New Orleans, a little bit more of an interesting game to talk about here. Uh, Cincinnati takes it 30 to 26. Joe Burrow looked absolutely incredible in this one. 28 of 37 for 300 yards, three scores, four carries for 25 yards, and another score on the ground. Don't ever doubt this man in the Superdome. Uh, absolutely stellar game for him and Jamar Chase. Seven catches on 10 targets for 132 yards and two scores. He had a boom game that he is known for. Uh, and then T, T. Higgins, I think better days are ahead for him. He had 10 targets in this one coming back from the injury, only six catches for 47 yards, but Again, this is kind of how this Cincinnati offense goes. It's sort of uh, either a Higgins week or a Chase week. They they, they rarely have big weeks uh, together, and that's just kind of the way wide receivers are, especially in the same offense. Uh, and then Joe Mixon had a little bit of more of a low-volume week, only eight carries for 45 yards, four catches for 23 yards and a score. Uh, his volume came down a little bit, but I think that's just because the, the passing game was so efficient. And uh, Cincinnati was down for a lot of this game, so they were kind of having to, you know, put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands to come back. I, I'm not really worried about Nixon. He was sort of the only guy out of the backfield here. Yeah, I unfortunately had to play Joe Burrow in three different fantasy football leagues, so that was awesome. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was. Good. Yeah, that was that. That just sucked, but. Um, I can honestly say not much changed on any of my opinions here in Cincinnati. Burrow nope. was was solid. Chase, solid Higgins. I'm gonna play him if he's on my on my team. And then Mixon, he's a guy. If you can go out there and maybe get him for a little bit um, at a value because he had a low volume week, I would absolutely do that. I think Joe Mixon's a trade for candidate, um, one of those higher end trade for candidates if you can get him um, at a good value. So I would take a look at that. Yeah, 100%. If you can get someone to bite on that lower than what his value should be, I would I would 100% take it. I think he's pretty much still that low-end RB1 guy that we valued him at to, to begin the year moving forward. For sure. And then on the New Orleans side, Alvin Kamara find, uh, finds himself in the same bucket to me, honestly. I think you can kind of trade for him right now. I think some, some people might be a little disappointed in his output to this point just because he hasn't scored very much, but he's getting the opportunity – 19 carries for 99 yards, six catches on nine targets, 28 opportunities is absolutely elite, especially for somebody that is as good as Alvin Kamara. I think he will have better days ahead, especially when these other, other uh, you know, pass catchers come back. I think his volume might come down a little bit, but his efficiency should go up. His touchdown opportunities should go up as well. So I think better days are ahead for Alvin Kamara. I would be putting him in the same bucket as Joe Mixon with the, uh, the trade four. And then Taysom Hill has a little bit of a disappointing game. Uh, five carries for 39 yards, two throws for, uh, or excuse me, four throws for two completions, 16 yards, 
this is just kind of what Taysom Mill is. If he doesn't get in the end zone, he's going to be a little disappointing. Uh, but at the tight end position, that's, you know, getting four points is not the end of the world. There's plenty of guys that are going to do worse than that week to week. I, I don't really think I changed my opinion on anybody on the New Orleans side. Nope. It's very simple for New Orleans for me. Uh, Taysom's an option just because the tight end position is very limited. Yep. And then outside of that, Kamara and Alave are the only two Saints that I really want. Um, if yep. when and if Michael Thomas comes back, he's a, I guess, a flex option depending on the buys that may be happening that week or your injury situation. But I would not be very excited to start him. Yeah, I think the Saints are pretty easy in that respect. You're right. It's Kamara and Alave you're confident in. Michael Thomas you're holding. But uh, I think you got to see it from him before you're comfortable putting him in your lineup. Uh, Baltimore at the Giants. The Giants somehow win this game 24-20, to 20, even though they were thoroughly outplayed by the Baltimore Ravens. Seems like Baltimore is saying that pretty much every week right now. Uh, they keep losing double-digit leads and losing games that they outgain the other team in. Uh, on the Baltimore side, another lackluster game for Lamar Jackson, 17 of 32, passing 210 through the air, a touchdown, a pick, seven carries for 77 yards, lost a fumble as well. I think this really just comes down to their execution in uh, situa- situational football here, Cody. They just really have not been uh, converting those fourth down plays, uh, those red zone plays. Uh, their, their total yards in their offense is there. Lamar still looks fine. Uh, I think he's missing his number one guy, Rashad Bateman, right now. But I'm not really worried about this Baltimore team in general. I think they just kind of have to have better luck or maybe better execution, whichever way you look at it, in those you know five to six plays each game that kind of keep limiting them uh, as a team. But uh, I think the bigger story on the Baltimore side is the running back room, Dobbins. Uh, J.K. Dobbins had his knee tighten up in the second half, ended up uh, leaving this game, and Kenyon Drake was the beneficiary, had 10 carries, 119 yards, and a touchdown. I think he's a potential pickup candidate right now, especially in deeper leagues, uh, as well as Gus Edwards. If he's not rostered in your league, I think you should make sure you uh, make a claim on him because he could be pretty important in the second half here. Yeah, I've been holding Gus Edwards in our in our league all season long, um, and I couldn't even put him on my IR because I was also holding Jamison Williams. So <laughs> I will be very happy if Gus Edwards can come back and be a productive player. But uh, yeah, Drake, I mean, he, he should be someone you're looking at as a low-end flex option, um, but he is someone in consideration with buys and injuries out there. So yeah. Um, my other takeaway from this game, Duvernay was just terrible. Um, I, yeah. I think it was a bad, bad game for him, but I, I still think I would I, – I think that was the right call. And if Bateman were to miss again, I think I would um, up, up take Duvernay as a startable player. But it's just – it does suck to see that as a, as a possibility. It just yeah. – they're passing – this is what – I mean, it kind of just came down to what we've, I've always thought about with Baltimore – their receiving options are always just all going. They're all going to have low floors because Lamar Jackson could run. He he could just run the ball like crazy. So and outside of that passing, even though he's an improved passer, he's still not probably on the elite side. So he's no, good, he's not nice. great. So like just the, all the pass options there are kind of just Lamar meh, Jackson, just, except for the tight end. So it's just sometimes his arm shows up to the game and sometimes it doesn't it, it that is that is just really what it is at the end of the day i i don't i i feel like he 
there, there are some games where the the other the opposing team will you know put put eight D backs back, make him you know put, put keep everything in front of him and try to make him throw into tight windows and he just can't do it. There are some games where he can, and the Baltimore offense is unstoppable in those games. It, I think Lamar just has his days and he doesn't have his days. It's going to be really hard to predict when those will and won't be. That's I, why I it's hard to bet on these Lamar. guys. Yeah, you have to start Lamar every game. And, you know, even in the games, like I said, that he doesn't have it, the Baltimore Ravens still put up over 400 yards of offense. So if they could have executed, like I said, in those situational moments, they would have been just fine. They they should not have lost this game to the Giants. They were by far the better team in this game. Um, and on the Giants' side, this, this offense is just all smoke and mirrors to me. It's basically Saquon Barkley, and they're trying to just – piece together a passing attack they cannot throw the ball down the field cody they, they cannot throw the ball down the field they have no options to throw the ball beyond 10 yards down the field uh they're, they're it's basically just all gimmicky short passes and runs to saquon barkley or screens to saquon barkley um i i mean they're winning right now and that's good for them but I, it will not last they, they if, if you want any indication on how uh, Vegas feels about this team, which is somebody that has a vested interest in how NFL teams do. They are two and a half point underdogs on the road against the two and four Jacksonville Jaguars next week. So I, I don't really believe in this Giants team moving forward, but uh, Saquon Giants are underdogs. They are two and a half point underdogs to the Jacksonville Jaguars next week on the road. They are on the road, but. Okay. Jacksonville's okay. two and a half point favorites in that one. Uh, the two Surprising. and four Jaguars against the five and one Giants. I think that tells you all you need to know about how uh, Vegas feels about this team. For me, it's Saquon Barkley and no one else. Yeah, it, it's literally that simple. Um, Wandale was in the game. He got a touchdown. It's nice to see him because he's been one he's of those receiving options that we've been telling you to stash. He's still right there. Mm-hmm. Bellinger is a potential streaming option. He just finds his way into the end zone. And, you know, at the tight end position, if you can just get those six points for that touchdown, you're having an okay week at tight end automatically. So um, can't take that away from him. You got to have some stones to put him in your lineup, but he does find the end zone quite a bit. It is Saquon and no one else right now as far as your starting options go. But, uh, yeah, Wandale's definitely a stash. He only played – I think about 15 snaps in this game. He scored a touchdown and had about 30 receiving yards. So he could work himself into a role. And like you said, Dale Dale Neuvellinger actually working himself into a potential streaming option. He's been consistently being targeted in the red zone. And that's really all you can hope for from uh, tight ends in that range. So uh, those are the only two guys that are even worth talking about beyond, uh, beyond Saquon. Um, Moving on here to the 3 o'clock games, we have Carolina at L.A. This will be another pretty quick one, honestly. Uh, again, some really gross football in this one. If you watched it all the way through or even most of it, uh, I luckily left halfway through the 3 o'clock games uh, because, I know, I didn't end up missing much. So on the Carolina side, I think until Baker or Darnold comes back, we're not considering anybody on this offense other than Christian McCaffrey. I think the one stat that I found from this game that pretty much sums up everything I need to say about it is that Christian McCaffrey had 158 total yards in this one, and the Carolina Panthers had 203 total yards as a team. That pretty much says all we need to say right there, Cody. 
Yep, same same position that we were at on Saturday. You know, there's no one else you can trust besides McCaffrey. Um, it is interesting because McCaffrey is in trade talks. Um, you know, backup. You know, Devon Deontay Foreman, Chuba Hubbard. Do you think either of those guys are worth a stash just to potentially have an, an RB one no. if McCaffrey were to no. get traded? You do not no. think so? Okay. No. I mean, if you want to, okay, if you were in a fourteen team. You know, <laughs> double flex league, you want to stash Chuba Hubbard, go ahead. But, I mean, you, you are only getting potentially a part-time running back in the worst offense in the NFL. That is what you're stashing for yourself is only the potential of a part-time bad running back. I, I just I don't really see the upside there for for that. No, Chuba was bad last year. Whenever they had competent, or not competent, but better-ish quarterback play, and so yeah, I I, I agree. You're Christian McCaffrey. You're not succeeding in this offense, and he is quite might might literally be the best offensive piece in the NFL. So I I, I don't really have any hope for a fourth yep. round running back who hasn't shown us much. And he should go to this next team. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean, I don't really know how that would help them either, honestly. I, I think they, they need to, like you say, trade for an offensive lineman here or maybe yeah. two. But on the L.A. side, hopefully the bye gives uh, Sean McVay some time to try and fix this offense, maybe come up with some, uh, some schemes here to get around the fact that they have one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Their left tackle, Joe Newfoom, told, uh, excuse me, tore his uh, Achilles in this one, so it gets even worse for them. Cooper Cup's very good. Only uh, only had seven catches on eight targets for 80 yards in this one. A really lackluster game for his standards. Had two rushes for 17 yards as well. But uh, I'm not worried about him at all. Daryl Henderson is a starting running back in the NFL, so you have to roster him. But 12 carries for 43 yards. It seems like when I watch these games that the Rams really hate Daryl Henderson. They, they want anybody to possibly replace him. They, they are, they're bringing Malcolm Brown off of the scrap heap. They put Brandon Powell in the backfield to run. I mean, they, they just they want anybody or anybody to replace Daryl Henderson, and he's their best option right now. So he will be the guy that carries the ball for the most part, but I'm not that excited to start him whatsoever. I think it's pretty much just Cup and Higby. Higby had a disappointing game in this one, but I'm not, you know, I'm not moving off of him because of how bad the tight end landscape is. Yeah, I tend to agree. Looks like Cam Akers is going to get traded or something's going to happen to him. Doesn't It sounds like he has played his last game as a Ram, as weird as that yeah. is to say. So Weird situation. Yeah, super odd, but that that does boost Henderson up into you know low-end RB2 at best to a flex-level player. Um, but, yeah, like you said, it, it seems like the Rams hate all their running backs. <laughs> so um, maybe they just need to go, you know, maybe trade well, they for a guy. Or, their own line. Yeah. I yeah. Mean. That's what – so this is what I honestly think about it because the Rams obviously coming off the Super Bowl season had high expectations for this year as well. They're just not healthy enough to win a Super Bowl. Like you, you can't win a Super Bowl if your offensive line is that bad because there's no chance you don't play a defense – that has an elite offensive line in the play or defensive line in the playoffs, and you're just going to get destroyed. So yeah. at this point, the Rams are like, they could potentially win the division because their division's oddly very, um, I think three and three, mediocre. three way tie for, th- yeah, mediocre. So they may still have a chance to win it, but 
I, I can't take the Rams seriously as a as a contender moving forward unless they can make some moves for some offensive line pieces. Yeah, I think I would totally agree with that uh, point of view. They really just just they, they, they need to figure that out. I, I think that is something that can be figured out as the year moves on. You know, offensive line is kind of a hard position to measure from an X's and O's standpoint. Maybe Sean McVay can you know, find some guys off the scrap heap or just scheme something up that, uh, that works for them on offense. But, uh, it's just, it's been really rough to watch so far. Stafford has had absolutely no time, uh, behind that line. And then, uh, part of the reason that the Rams might have a chance to still make the playoffs is, uh, these two teams play in their division. That is Seattle and Arizona. They played, uh, this week, Seattle won 19 to nine, Really ugly game, one that we thought might be pretty entertaining um, as far as points go, and another one that completely dudded. This one probably more spectacularly than any other game that we had on the slate because it was uh, over 50 point over under and didn't even get to 30 here. But And we had a defensive touchdown from Arizona too. That's how bad this game was. Kyler continues uh, his just mid-level play here. He ended up having 100 rushing yards and still had a bad game. 23 of 37 throwing <laughs> the ball for 222 and a pick. It's almost impossible to do that from the quarterback position, by the way, to have 100 yards rushing and to have a bad game from fantasy perspective. Um, you have a note here that's asking if we would want to hold or try to trade Kyler. I think you got to hold him. If, if this if this rushing volume is going to keep in any way, shape, or form, he's going to be better moving forward. And I think coming off this game, his value is probably pretty low. So I, I would not want to trade him for, you know, 75 cents on the dollar if I think he's going to be better than this, at least for fantasy moving forward, which I think he will be once he gets D-Hop back. I know uh, we'll get to this in a second. Uh, but he, he did lose a major piece in his offense for the rest of the year, but... I think Kyler, you know, he's going to score more than zero touchdowns most games moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I it, it is tough to trade him off a game like this, but um, I, he has to keep running. Yeah, that's fair. But I think it's worth looking at looking at what you can get for him. Um, you know, especially if you have some injuries or uh, maybe need some more depth at some more, you know, probably more important positions, but. Yeah, if you're only going to get 75 cents on the dollar, I don't think it's worth it, but it may be worth just taking a look out there to see um, what you can get. D-hop stock, like like you have noted here, is way up right now. Uh, Marquise Brown looks like he's going to be out for the year with a foot injury. That's uh, something that needs to be confirmed, so don't go dropping Marquise Brown quite yet. Uh, Make sure that that is the case, but... It uh, looks like he will uh, be out for the year with what is believed to be a Liz Frank injury. So yep. DeAndre Hopkins should be the number one uh, there for the Arizona Cardinals moving forward. And then Zach Ertz is also another guy that you don't want to be trading away right now, at least not below that the current value that he is, he is at. I think he will be you know, a top six to seven tight end moving forward, especially in PPR situations. Um, and then the Arizona running backs, ugh. Don't even know what to do with any of them here. I guess stock's slightly up for James Conner just because Eno looks so bad. You know, he, he was kind of on the sideline this week. Like, yeah, it's not so easy to run behind a horrible offensive line when <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury is running you right up the middle every single play. But uh, Eno Benjamin did not look great in this one. Uh, I think any play that you have from the Arizona backfield is just going to be volume-based. And on the, uh, the Seattle side, 
kind of a tough week for their offense. Both the wide receivers sort of dudded. We 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 kind of tried to tell you that these guys would be a little bit more boomer bust than they had been the past few weeks. But Kenneth Walker looked fantastic. 21 carries, 97 yards a score. Had a couple targets in the passing game as well. I think he's probably uh, a top 12 running back rest of season for me uh, moving forward. Ooh, that is a bold call, but I do not mind it. Yeah, I think he's going to be the main guy in Seattle, and he should be uh, he should be pretty solid. Obviously, I know some running backs are potentially on the move. Um, Kareem Hunt is a guy that I feel like Seattle would be interested in if the Browns look to move him, and that would no. be terrible for Kenneth Walker's value. But I don't want to put it out there for you, but I just it, it could Seattle will not trade for him. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it makes sense, but I also don't I think that they have a false a false perception of what they are. So I think they, that may be true, but I I don't believe that Pete Carroll I, I don't I, I just don't I just don't see the need for a Kareem Hunt in that situation. I mean, I I feel like it makes a little bit more sense for somebody that has you know a not invested in a very early round pick and a workhorse running back within the last six months. Uh, but I, I guess you're right. It, 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 crazier things have happened. Pete Carroll is kind of off yeah. the roster when it comes to the running back position. So maybe he just goes full tilt and, and I, does trade for Kareem Hunt. But I, I just I, I thought – I saw that he, that they were, they were fielding calls for a potential trade for Kareem Hunt. And I was like, you know what, I don't know why, but Seahawks just stuck out as a team that would – just to have a third down option and not have to put it all on Kenneth Walker. But, I mean, you're right. Does it make sense? No. But for some reason, that kind of just – it came to my mind earlier. So, had to, had to throw it out there. But, yeah, for fantasy purposes, don't do that. Just let Kenneth Walker be great, except for the weeks that he plays me, unfortunately. <laughs> Next game is Buffalo at Kansas City. Uh, the last of my best bets. This is the one that I felt best about and ended up uh, cashing for me. Buffalo, twenty-four to twenty. They take this one on the road against the Chiefs. Uh, tough game for the Chiefs, especially at the end, obviously. But it was just a good game to watch overall. Pretty much went back and forth. Um, the Buffalo offense. You know, got a little unlucky at the start of the game with that fumble by Josh Allen. Uh, just sort of a miscommunication between him and his wide receiver. Uh, but he's very good. Patrick Mahomes is very good. Uh, these two are probably going to meet again in the playoffs, if I had to guess. Uh, I again, this is this is a, this is one of those games where I really didn't change my mind on any single one of the players uh, involved, uh, besides the stat lines that they had on the Bills side. We're looking at Diggs, we're looking at Gabe Davis, and we're looking at Devin Singletary beyond Josh Allen, obviously being in your lineup. Those four are all very solid. Dawson Knox caught a touchdown, but uh, only three targets. I think he is firmly in the streaming category of tight end. And then on the KC side, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey are very good. Clyde edwards Lair is going to be very inconsistent. Probably a flex option, more of a low-end RB2. We told you to sell high on him. He had a bad week. Uh, but Juju Smith-Schuster, Cody, looks like the one guy we might disagree on here, Cody. I, I will go ahead and let you make the case for him before I uh, kind of poo-poo that option. Yeah, um, so, I mean, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say what we've been saying all season. I'm not very high on any of the Chiefs receiving options besides Travis Kelsey. 
But um, I do think when you have a quarterback as good as Patrick Mahomes, it's hard not to be able to find at least two receiving options that can find somewhat of fantasy relevance. Uh, Juju went 5 for 5, 113 yards, one touchdown. Uh, just in the game, as someone who watches obviously every single snap of Chiefs games, I just think he's starting to get some more of the more important um, you know, catches, and he's kind of getting more involved in some more quality looks. So I think if you are going to have one of the wide receivers, Juju is the guy to have. Am I, do I think he's a locked and loaded starter every week? Absolutely not. I think he could potentially go out next week and bust, but if there's one that I'm going to add, it would be Juju. Yeah, I, I just think the one touchdown catch that he did have was a long, broken play that basically two Buffalo Bills defenders completely whiffed on him on. I, I'm not sure. sure that was Juju's doing necessarily. I think that was just sort of a, uh, you know, a lucky play in that sense where he sort of got the beneficiary of uh, the poor tackling there on the Buffalo side. And he might be the best wide receiver out of this group, but like you said, uh, week to week, I think between him, MBS, and Michael Hardman, it's going to be really hard to predict who's going to get the, the most targets. So uh, I just think it's going to bounce back, bounce back and forth between all of them. And this week's uh, five targets don't make me change my mind on that whatsoever. I, I totally, I totally understand that. Like I said, not super confident going into next week, but if I had to play one, it would be him. And just on a football, uh, you know, side note, just because I do agree, these two teams are basically on a collision course for the AFC playoffs, whether that's a championship game or one of the divisional rounds. But um, yeah, they are. Like having to go beat Kansas City twice or having to beat Buffalo twice in general are just going to be extremely hard. As a Kansas City fan, if we had to lose one of the two games in the season, I'm going to be happy if it's the regular season one because um, that just gives the Chiefs another reason to get up for you know the playoff game if if they needed another one because the Bills definitely don't need another one. They're getting up for the Chiefs every single time without a doubt. So. Uh, as a Chiefs fan, again, if we had to lose one, I'd rather it be the one here in Week Six. Yeah, the problem you may run into is that this next one may be in Buffalo instead of in Kansas. We'll see. But, they like um, they like to find a way to find a month of the season to just choke away that one seed. Uh, they do that pretty consistently. So we'll see if this is the year, though. Awfully confident. I appreciate that. Dallas <laughs> uh, at Philadelphia was the the nightcap here. Uh, Philly ends up taking it 26 to 17 after the Dallas comeback. Uh, Philly went up 20 to zero. Philly kind of making a habit of going up big in the first half and sort of taking their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Hopefully, uh, for their sake, that does not continue. Uh, you know, in when they face better teams and maybe better teams with their starting quarterbacks uh, through the rest of the year here, but. Um, I'm excited for this Dallas team in general, to be honest with you. I, I think once Dak comes back, they are going to be a major player in the NFC. It's a pretty weak conference right now. Philly is clearly the strongest team, but I think you could really argue that Dallas is number two. And uh, they had a legitimate shot to win this game in the fourth quarter with their back of quarterback on the road. I think that says uh, a lot about this team and their prospects moving forward. I think Zeke looked really good in this one. Uh, 13 carries, 81 yards, and a score against what had been a really, really tough run defense going into the year, or excuse me, going into this week, uh, you know, throughout the year to this point. Uh, he he looked really good. CD, five catches on 10 targets for 68 yards. Not the best game for him, but again, a really tough uh, Philadelphia secondary here. 
with uh, Cooper Rush playing a really bad game. Yeah, so, Cooper Rush finally I, looked like he was really bad. So, and yeah. he's a backup quarterback, so yeah. I, I can't really blame him. For again, sure. it is one bad week, and this is a tough team on the road on Sunday night. So, yeah. I, I think I was really more encouraged with this Dallas Cowboys team than discouraged, pretty much in all facets. I, I think they showed some good fight in the second half, and. I would like my odds if I was a Dallas Cowboys fan going into uh, a potential playoff matchup against the Eagles with that Dak Prescott instead of Cooper Rush. Yeah, and from a fantasy aspect, I mean, my opinion, I don't have a negative opinion about any of the options out there. The main ones, CD, no. Zeke, um, even Dak coming back next week, I'm not going to be super eager to start him, but uh, depending on what other streaming option you have, you definitely can. Um, and then, you know, Pollard kind of is what he is. There's a chance that he gets that touchdown and then he has the better week. But um, Elliott and Pollard kind of – I think Elliott's slightly higher than Pollard, but they're still closer than I'd want him to be as someone who has Elliott in a couple leagues. But, yeah, I think I overall think, a positive game for the Cowboys. I think what you're looking at is that Elliott is going to have the high-value touches. For and sure. And that's going to be pretty consistent. So I think I think you clearly want Elliott moving forward. I've been kind of back and forth on this uh, throughout the you know the year with the pod. I wasn't really sure what I thought about it. But it looks like Elliott's going to be involved, and he is going to be the goal line guy when they have, you know, uh, barring some weird circumstances uh, with Pollard. So I think Elliott's probably the guy you want moving forward. And um, – you know, on the Cowboys side, like you said, uh, I think Dak is gonna, is a low in QB one, and there's a lot of guys that are kind of moved out of that tier. Where whether it be Russell Wilson, whether it be yep. uh, Aaron Rodgers, whether it be you know Tom Brady struggling. So there Matt are, there are by. Yep. right, Matt Stafford, Trey Lance owners. Uh, there are plenty of people that drafted guys they thought were low in QB ones that aren't anymore. So Dak Prescott is an option for you uh, if you are one of those managers. And then on the Philly side. I, again, I don't think any one of my opinions changed on this Philly offense. They they didn't have a great game. This Dallas defense is totally legit. They played them pretty tough. Uh, you know, they had a couple drives where they looked pretty unstoppable. They had a couple drives where uh, the, the pressure was getting to them. But, uh, you know, Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith all scored a touchdown in this one. They all look pretty solid. Dallas Goddard had his first real dud game, but again, he's a tight end, so you're not moving off of him, or at least I'm not. And uh, Jalen Hurts was not great, but he's been pretty good to this point in the year. So he's, again, not somebody that you're looking to move off whatsoever. So uh, nothing changes for me on the, uh, the Philadelphia side. Yep. If anything, in a tough matchup against a really good Dallas defense, I felt like arrows up for basically all options on Philadelphia as well. A lot of positives coming out of this Sunday night football game for sure. And then the Monday night football game, uh, the Chargers take it nineteen sixteen. Uh, the this this was really just a disgusting game on both sides. I got to be honest. Uh, they, they, both these teams look pretty confident through the first twenty minutes of the game. I think it was 10 to 10 with about five minutes left in the second quarter. And then uh, uh, nine to six through the, the rest of the two quarters and most of overtime. So really just bad offense on both sides, especially Denver. Uh, Denver's defense is very good. They, they uh, put pressure on Justin Herbert. They cover well. And uh, they, they made it hard on the Chargers. They, they kind of – the Chargers were grinding out drives. Uh, where that was the only way they could get down the field. They could not – you know, create big plays against Denver at all. They, they kind of had to go four yards, four yards, three yards to get first downs. And they were doing that 
uh, for a little bit in the second half there. But um, I don't know what you'd think about this game, but uh, it looks like Latavius Murray is the guy you want in the backfield for Denver as much as uh, you want him necessarily. I, I think he's going to be kind of an empty yards type of player. And then Judy and Sutton looked horrible in this one. I didn't see a lot of J.C. Jackson on Cortland Sutton. It just looked like the, the Denver Broncos were just sort of going another way. And um, I, I don't really know what to make of this 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 game right now, to be honest. I, I I just I don't really like any of these options on the Denver side. Yeah, you sound like a, uh, a flustered Broncos fan. <laughs> but I don't blame you because I understand your pain. As someone who invested in the Broncos a couple weeks ago in multiple leagues. Um, They're horrible. Yeah, it's hard to keep coming on here and saying that I think that they can turn it around because they, they look terrible, especially in the red zone. So, um, I mean, all of their options have arrows pointing down. I mean, I know I said Murray is the guy I want now, but, again, to the degree, do I want him? Like, am I going to go out there and fab dump on him like you would have for Gordon two weeks ago? No. Absolutely no. not. So, um yeah, I mean, all these guys just kind of are all downgraded. Russ just looks terrible. I I, so what I just don't get with Denver is, like, what happened between Russ and the preseason, you know, training camp situation to the start of the season? Because he obviously had to look good enough in the offseason for you to be willing to give him a pretty big extension. And then him just to come out in the regular season and just look absolutely terrible. Like, I, I that, that's just the part that I just I cannot put my mind around. Um, but... It's rough, especially I mean, the for only thing purposes. that I can I can say is that Seattle basically has been able to run the ball the entire time that Russell Wilson has been the starting quarterback for them, and we cannot the the Denver Broncos cannot run the ball. They they cannot run the ball consistently, and that is clearly affecting Russell Wilson's ability to to throw the to you know consistently throw the ball down the field at all. So he's having trouble reading coverages. He's having trouble reading blitzes. He he got fooled several times tonight on third down yep. where they basically just had a guy sitting on the top of the line that came right through unblocked because there was nobody to block him. Russell did not change the coverages. Um, I, I don't know exactly what to say about Seems him like as they're... a player right now, but he's just not he's not thinking the game very quickly, and he's not he's not doing a great job in general. I mean, he's, he's just – He's not playing well. Uh, I think that kind of just is what it is. I, I don't really uh, have much else on the Broncos' offense other than their quarterback needs to be a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I agree there. We can, we can get off the Broncos here. Let's go ahead and wrap it up with the Chargers. Um, yeah, really underwhelming game from them. This Denver Broncos defense is very good, like I said. They – they, uh, they pressured Justin Herbert early and often. Uh, Pat Sertan absolutely shut down Mike Williams in this one. And then uh, Austin Eckler, yeah, he, he's he's excellent. I, I Like I said, I think he is the best cornerback in the NFL, and I stand by that. Uh, I think he has, you know, he pretty much, he shadows. Not many other corners do that these days. He has pretty much consistently done that throughout the year and done a very good job. Um, and Austin Eckler, he got the work, and he ended up having a pretty solid fantasy day because of volume, but no one in on this Chargers offense really did much from uh, an efficiency standpoint at all. They, uh, they got bailed out a lot by penalties that should not have been called, in my opinion, a lot of the time. Again, <laughs> I'm very biased, but uh, I think there was a few of them that were 
relatively egregious, uh, egregious penalties uh, against the Broncos that should not have been called. We, I think we ended up having about 165 penalty yards in this one. Uh, kind of ridiculous. And then at the end of the game, uh, the the block into our our punt returner was another just awful awful miss call by by the referees that that is uh, that is only supposed to be uh, not a foul if you know you're engaged with the 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 gunner all the way down the field if the guy is just sitting in front of your punt returner to block and he gets shoved into the punt returner it should be flagged uh, as pass catcher pass catcher interference they didn't call it of course. So I think this should have ended up as a tie game, honestly, because both these teams were really bad. But um, I will that, that's all. I, I, I will end that as my piece on this game. Uh, the, the, the Chargers didn't look very good, but I'm not really worried about them moving forward. The, 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 Char- the Broncos defense, like I said, is very good, so they'll be fine. Yeah, this game would have ended in a tie if it wasn't for the punting situation because neither offense could move the ball. But yeah, I agree. Let's it was, wrap it, it up here. We uh, – Got through all of them. Got through them a little bit quicker than we normally do. We got to we got to cut down a little bit for everybody, so that's good good on us. Um, but obviously, if you stuck around for the whole time, like, comment, subscribe, share with a friend, share with their family, enemies, whatever. Just you know, let, let at least one other person know about us. And uh, yeah, Nick, you have anything else? No, I I, I I'm done for tonight. <laughs> 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 sounds good I, that's that's how i felt yesterday so i totally get it that's all right peace enough. out everybody <laughs> i'll see you guys